Welcome to the Vault Podcast, classic music reviews, presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast, classic music reviews, presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and with me, I got my guy, family. Y'all know him, of course, as the host and creator of the Raw Sex Podcast each and every Friday out here in these podcast streets. My boy, Cousin Damo, a.k.a. Dominique Marks. Y'all make sure y'all go check out Raw Sex. It's hot as fish grease and... A lot of great things coming up. We got some good shows and good topics. And due to some recent developments, and I shall not go into detail, I got a feeling that things are about to get real raw. So, <laughs> but check my guy out, man. Check out Raw Sex. Follow him on Twitter, on IG. He's a great follow. He has some great sayings throughout the day that are tidbits and words of wisdom that could only come from himself. So, y'all make sure y'all go check that out. Like we always like to say here in the vault, our motto is hashtag open the vault, hashtag nothing but the classics of MBTC. And Damo, it's a special one today. I say that because of the album that we're covering. Now, every once in a while on the vault, we run into a lot of great music, a lot of great hip hop, a lot of great R&B. We've had some reggae on here. We're going to have more this year. But once every few albums, we run into something that's truly special. And it's something that we call groundbreaking and something that we talk about that shifts the culture and shifts the scene. Well, we have one of those albums today. And of course, we're going to go back to what other year are we going to go back to? 1996. <laughs> 1996. And we're going to go back to April 2nd of 96 because we're covering the groundbreaking, ground shifting, and truly a generational phenomenon that was... Maxwell's Urban Hang Suite released on Columbia Records. And <laughs> those of us who were around at that time, and if you've been following music at least since the early to mid 90s, you know about this album. And you know about Maxwell. Uh, Maxwell's an artist that has been out for a long time. He started his career doing things in clubs in New York City and then rose through the ranks and got a deal with Columbia. And really wowed people with the type of style that he had. And it, it was interesting, you know, him coming with the style that he had because um, I was reading something about this album, Damo. And now they said that his music, though at the time, R&B was sort of going into another, it was going in another direction. It was starting to become a little bit more, a little bit more hip hop based. There were a lot of R&B artists that were sort of out there that were either you know, they were, now. yeah, they were collaborating with art, with hip hop artists. And it was the sound sounded a little bit more hip hop. He wasn't that, you know, he wasn't that at all. About two years ago, I went to the Kennedy Center and Maxwell had a concert there. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Maxwell had a, had a concert there. He actually had a concert and he was doing a celebration of, his music and he was being assisted by the NSO national symphonic orchestra, which does a lot of Ken a lot of concerts at the Kennedy center. And he had some backup singers and it was a really good event. Something where, you know, you go into the Kennedy center, you know, you can't take your phones 
Well, you can take them, but they put them in a pouch so that you can't record anything. Mm-hmm. And what I'm telling you is, is that that itself helped to make it one of the most enjoyable concerts I've been in in a long time. Why? Because everybody wasn't either in their phones or recording and trying to capture everything instead of enjoying it. Then you take Maxwell, take it with the NSO, and take all of his catalog. Like, it was one of the best concerts I had been to. It reminded me why I was such a fan of his. And then when the orchestra started up Ascension, which is Don't Ever Wonder, literally everyone was so psyched to hear it. Like, Maxwell didn't even sing the first verse. You want to know who sung the first verse? (laughs) We did. (laughs) It was one of the most amazing things I had seen. I've been to tons of concerts in my lifetime. But to hear the entire crowd, all of us probably of a certain age, above the age of 35 to God knows 60-something years old, and they're jamming to Maxwell. And it's something that only I think an artist of his quality could do something like that, be with an orchestra and truly captivate an audience that has his full attention. Amazing. But more on Maxwell Urban Hang Suite. So released April 2nd, 96, recorded between 94 and 95. The studios, again, that you record at tells a lot about the type of work that you do. Where did Maxwell record? At the Electric Lady Studio, RPM Studios, Mm -hmm. Sorcerers, Chung King Studios, CRC in Chicago. Runtime of 64 minutes and 47 seconds. Amazing because there's only 11 tracks, including a hidden track on this album, that it ran that long. Producers, Maxwell. He wrote and produced a lot of this records himself. Peter Morcan, Stuart Matthewman, who worked with him producing, mixing this album and helping to put it together. The singles from this album, come on, you know them well. The first one, Till the Cops Come Knocking. The second one, Ascension. <laughs> yeah. Ascension. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, Damo sitting here jamming. All I had to do was mention the name of the song. That was it. Jamming. Jamming. Yeah. The third one, something, something. And the fourth was Sweet Lady Proposal Jam. And um, uh, one song that isn't on here is the remix to something, 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 which was the mellow remix, which actually showed up on the Love Jones soundtrack. That's the slower version yeah. of something, something. Yeah. And that, to me, as I say, when you talk about the GTD mixtape, that's on the GTD mixtape, that track, along with many other Maxwell tracks on the GTD mixtape. <laughs> so, <laughs> but Urban Hang Suite, Damo, take us back to, to what you, when you first listened to this and take us back to how you felt about it, how the music made you feel, and then listening to it this past week, now that we're grown, like what changed for you, if anything? So we're going to start way back in time. <laughs> As everybody know, if y'all hear me on here, and y'all been listening to what we about to go on two years. Mm-hmm. Going on two years? Almost two years, to be a year, a year and a half. It'll be two years we, in September. We're going on two years yeah. in September. We've been grinding, trying to get there. But yes, y'all know I'm probably one of the most favorite ones that's talking about me loving R&B. Yes. So, you know, my mother let me listen to R&B. I mean, Sunday mornings, we either got the gospel on or the oldies on. So, you know, mm-hmm. or Saturday mornings, we about to do the spring cleaning, you got the oldies on. So she ain't had no issue with listening to me listening to R&B. Yeah. It was just that rap. Exactly. 
that hip hop, hip hop music that y'all youngsters listening yeah, to, that gangster music. I could listen to that for exactly. a long time. I had to listen to that on the slide. I could put this on anytime mm-hmm. around here. Mm-hmm. So thirteen, you know, I'm like, like, I'm like okay, you know, we got the, the singles. I was like, oh, all right, you know, of course, you know, we had a little CD store. It wasn't one of the name brand ones. I think it was called Charles or something mm-hmm. like that. So y'all know, y'all youngsters don't know about that. They ain't have all. Besides the record stores that they have, FYE, Second yeah. City, Sam Goody, the they, Wiz. They had, <laughs> they had little mom and pop jumps that sold the CDs and tapes too yeah. that you can go grab them from. So yeah. it was a jump called Charles where I used to go grab, go up there and grab my stuff from. So I went up there and grabbed them. And first thing I listened to, I remember, it was different. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the same R&B out the voice, this falsetto Jones that he used on the Jones. Mm-hmm. Different, right? I said, ooh, what in the world am I listening to? Yeah. And what what the the old, the old folks would tell you back then, like, man, you listen to grown folk music. Yeah. See, as a kid, <laughs> you know, I ain't know that. I mean, I knew it was grown folks music, mm-hmm. but it was R&B music. Now that I'm older, I, under, I understand the lingo of, this is grown, grown folk music. music. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So listening to it back then, a different appreciation of the difference that he brought to R&B. Listening to it now, it's the same. The the new word now, the vibe, mm-hmm. the mood. You get the music. It's just the, the whole album is just the mood, the vibe. You could just throw it on and and roll through and just listen. Yeah. Set the mood, whatever mood you want to set at your house. If you want to put the candles on, if you want to throw the incense on and just chill out and clean or just relax and smoke a cigar out the back window and just mm. chill out. You yeah. can throw that on. If you got a lady you want to come over there and you want to cook for and set something up, you throw that on. Hey, if y'all just want to vibe out in the house and dance around the house, throw that on. Mm. Just saying. Yeah. That type of album. Yeah, it is. It is that album, and I love the fact that you said when your old folks and your family told you you were listening to that, that they said you're listening to grown folk music. <laughs> you know what? I 1,000, no, I 100,000% agree with them and agree with you. Mm-hmm. So let me tell you how I got introduced to this album. My sister, my second oldest sister, had this album, and she loved Maxwell. Now, I was in my hip-hop tip at this time. Like, you know, I was listening to R&B, but I was really into hip-hop. There were only certain R&B artists that would grab my attention as a hip-hop fan. But when I listened to this for the first time riding around in the car with her, I was like, you know what? This really sounds like something that dad would listen to, like my father. And Mm -hmm. I said that because of the way it sounded, because it sounded like the jazz albums that my father listened to. Like, it was very, very jazzy in some some respects. Like, very, very jazzy. And, you know, that really started my journey listening to Maxwell. But, like, talking about and digging into the lyrics even back then of stuff like Ascension and Till the Cops Come Knocking and something, something. It was just like, oh, he talking about some... Some 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 loving, some fucking, some, you know, all types of good things when it talks about romance. And it was all stuff that I didn't really know shit about as a 14-year-old. So you travel through and you get through Maxwell's career and you follow him and you comes out with these other albums. He did an unplugged album and it's artistry sort of say true to whatever it was that he did. He was so massively big in the late 90s, heading into the 2000s, and then even took a break and came back and was still great. But the songs on here, 
like on that concert, these are the songs that everybody was like singing. I mean, yeah, people sung Fortunate. They sung This Woman's Work, whatever they could sing, which mm-hmm. that's a whole nother vibe of a song, too. That, you know, goodness. This really was just just like grown music. It really gave you that vibe. The fact that it's a concept album and the concept is basically him explaining the beginning of his relationship with the woman. This is actually the concept of this is actually made out to talk about a night of lovemaking from the first song all the way to the end of the last song. (laughs) And the songs are different periods of him going through an encounter with this woman talking about love, sex and spirituality. You know, mm-hmm. like that's really one of the and it's something that it wasn't what it was different about. It wasn't just the sound of it. It was the fact that, you know, a lot of R&B was talking basically about, you know, just having sex and love making and fucking. But he was talking about marriage and being in commitment and monogamy and consistency. You know what I'm saying? That's really mm-hmm. what was different about it as well. But. The tones on here between the guitars and the horns. I loved horns because I played horns in high school. It's it was really great to be able to hear, like you said, him to me, him and D'Angelo had have some of the if this generation of singers have the best falsettos hand down. You know, can't nobody do a falsetto like Maxwell, bruh. I mean, not even D can. You know what I'm saying? D and that's my man. But nah, Maxwell got the falsetto thing locked down, man. And he did it flawlessly on this album, Mm -hmm. you know, culturally, you know, he had a mother who was Haitian and a father who was Puerto Rican. He grew up in New York. So he used a lot of influences from the music that he grew up with from his mother and his father and being in New York City to craft this sort of sound that you had in here. It's a good mix. This album, you have some upbeat, up tempo records. And then there's some slow down records and there's some records you literally sit there. And the only thing I could think about Damo is this. It's the original Quiet Storm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> back, you know? Exactly. Right. You know, love talking slow jam shit. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like that type of feeling that you love get from slow it. Jams. Yeah. 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 And then for at a time when you had R&B artists that were putting out a sound that sounded more hip hop, this wasn't hip hop at all. It was strictly like a mixture of jazz and funk. You know, like you would listen to stuff from Curtis Mayfield and like Stevie Wonder or or Prince, you know, and the musicianship on here. Like, goodness. I mean, there's so many different elements here to go through the music itself because a big portion of this album is instrumental work. Like, I want to say even on or the sweet theme, actually, that's track number 11. The majority of that, they go almost three, almost four minutes before a, a lyric is even sung, <laughs> you know, but you just vibe to the music, though. Like that saying, that mood, that vibe, it's it's everything. You want to dance around the house with your lady. You want to clean up. You want to burn some incense. You want to have a romantic evening at home. It fills every single one of those purposes like now that i'm older i'm listening to it and i was like yo maxwell was making this for older people but then i also think he was making it for us but we were just too young to really appreciate the shit that he was doing (laughs) and here we are 25 years later marveling at it about now being grown-ass men and being like yo well, you got to think about it. He was doing it for the ones that was over their 20s in that age where I could sit in the mood for them. So yeah. they had the, you know what I'm saying? Now well, we, we, we appreciated just the music that the nah, we going straight to fucking or the, the hip hop genre where they started talking about yeah. more sexual, vulgar language when you go yeah. straight to it. And then you have this right here where the mood is just set. Mm-hmm. So yeah. now when you get older, you just, oh, oh whoop, throw that on. 
bam, there you go. You yeah. appreciate it more. Yeah, it is. And it's like, you know, you talk about like it was the artistry of it. It was like like a beautifully painted picture. It wasn't like abstract art or anything. It's like a classic painting. You know what I'm saying? That you take a note of all the details in that painting. Everything from the mountains to the rivers to the grass, like the details that an artist does when they're doing a classic painting, that's what this album is. It wasn't vulgar language. It wasn't talking about, you know, taking off your drawers and, you know, throwing them, you know, put them in your mouth or, you know, I'm gonna have your legs up in the air, everything like that. Are we going like, yeah, he mm-hmm. talked about till the cops come knocking, but it wasn't vulgar. You know, yeah. you knew what he was talking you, about. Yeah, you knew what he, <laughs> well, you didn't know what he was talking about probably then. Mm-hmm. You you had a hint, like, but yeah. now you older, you know exactly what he's talking about. Exactly. <laughs> right. Talking about some cops come, come knocking on the door, like, there's uh-huh. <laughs> reports of an assault going on in this house, sir. <laughs> you know, like, oh, man. Yeah, but. But now we're going to get into highlights. So, Dom will run them down for me. I mean, we there's lots. There's only 11 tracks on here. But, you know, let me know what your highlights are. Um, of course, you know, all the singles are the highlights. And, you know, the the difference that he brought is the highlight. You know, the time that he came in to switch it up is the highlight. Mm-hmm. You know, the album is, is the highlight because, you know, it just takes you into – it might have opened up the different lanes that R&B people can go to mm-hmm. right after him. Yeah. It didn't have to just be this, the same old R. Kelly, New Jack Swing. Yeah. And then, and then they try to, they going from there to now we're going straight to fucking and, and then that's it. And yeah. they going to the hip hop side. I think this might have opened up where you, we brought in music and we brought in everybody else and they started doing their own style in which they changed it to uh, what's the, the name I'm trying to think of? Neo Soul. Yeah. Yeah. Bam. Yeah. And this is this is like when you talk about the holy grail of Neo Soul albums, like there's the Angelo Brown Sugar came out in 95. This came out in 96. And Baduism came out in 97. You know, this these three albums, this one was one of the three that helped to popularize Neo Soul commercially. This is not even his best album to me. You don't think so? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't think so? Okay. That's cool. It's an argument to be made. When I went back and, of course, you know, I went and listened to this. Mm -hmm. So when you listen to this, you got to go listen to the other classics. So Uh I went through on Embry. I was like, hold on. Mm -hmm. Embry. Then I went and go listen to that. I said, oh, shit. Now. (laughs) Uh I said, damn. I don't know. I think those two are better than this. Like, this one is, is... you, this one is a classic. Yeah. I'm not gonna. But when we get to there, I'm gonna keep it as a classic because yeah. it changed music. It did. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not gonna say, oh, I ain't gonna hit y'all with my faith line. It was track. No, nah. uh-uh. y'all ain't gonna get that from me in this. So y'all can't <laughs> throw me on the cross. <laughs> Sorry, Easter. Right. But yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> wow, man. But those two albums, I listened to all of them, and then I came back and listened to this one again. Mm-hmm. So we, this is our job. Well, our hobby that's somewhat of our job, and I yeah. listened to this one again. I was like, "Yo, I don't." I'm thinking now, mm-hmm. em, Embryo one, now two, now one, Embryo, t- but yeah. this right here, it, mm-hmm. it changed the culture. It did. So, yeah, did. I, I think to me, I kind of go back and forth when it comes to Embryo because I do think that his songwriting, I think, was better here on this album. 
I think Embrya and now um, his songwriting definitely changed up a little bit. But I think as you as times change, as your life changes, your songwriting may also then change as well because you're experiencing more things. I and mean, that's what your songwriting is supposed to be about, especially with R&B. It's supposed to be about your experiences. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I, you're right. And, you know, we got we have ones that we can that we can actually Ref, uh, review with that I mean we can l- review now later on Embryo will be in a couple of years so it, it'll be something interesting to to touch on later on uh, other than the singles and that was 2001 right yeah that, so now it was 2001 it. yeah so that's coming up later on later on this year you know so yeah. yeah it's um it's an interesting conversation to have other than the singles um and of course the singles are great you know with ascension i've told you about what happened with ascension that is still mm-hmm. like it's still a jam like I, it came on the radio yesterday on the, when i was in the car and it's still a jam um something something obviously is a is a great mm-hmm. track um till the cops come come knocking i mean that's come on but the deep album cuts on here like ones that i hear like the opening track urban theme and then welcome mm-hmm. and dance with me you know what it reminds me of it sort of reminds me when you i would go to stuff like half note when it was in glendale and i would go to like these lounges where they have these cover bands and they have mm-hmm. like you know you know the drummer and the saxophonist and uh you know and the keyboard player and maybe even like somebody they might even have some congos there it wasn't really they're not really a, a, a go-go band but they're a band when you would have stuff like that and they would be jamming and you have a mature crowd like that's what those tracks remind me of a band uh, with a band like that where they're jamming like trance like dance with me and you know and and urban thing reminded me like when you had a, a being in a lounge like that in a mature setting and they're jamming and everybody having a good time but then you slow it down and then you get to mm-hmm. Lonely's the only company and a track like Reunion and then also with the the with Sweet Lady like and these tracks that are just so emotion like like you can feel the emotion through the music through the instruments but then his voice then takes it and throws it right over the top <laughs> you know like that's another thing that what Maxwell is great at doing is conveying the emotion through his voice there are not a lot of singers that you can sort of get that and really where you feel that emotion whatever it is the feeling they're trying to convey that it hits you right there maxwell can do that you know what i'm saying because he does it on so many of his songs musicianship on here man like god some of the musicians on here like the drummers i mean of course we talked about Stuart matthewman he did that he played saxophone he did the keys he really was an everyman on here he did great work with maxwell Federico Pena, you know, Maxwell did some work on this as well. Um, the Beverly Soul section for the horns on here. Kevin Batchelor, uh, you know, and then Maxwell did all the voices on here. He didn't have any background singers. So it just goes to show you, you a bad motherfucker mm-hmm. when you can do all the voices on here. <laughs> like we're talking about, that's D'Angelo and Ray Charles type bad, like Prince type mm-hmm. bad. You know, when you can do the different keys and different type, like for everything, like all the go to every single register you have in your repertoire and can do all the voices on here. No backup singers, just him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> that's when you know you a bad motherfucker, man, when you can do shit like that. That's when you know that you got it on lock. But the deep album cuts on here are great, just as much as the singles are. The instrumental portions of this are so great that even if you didn't have Maxwell singing on this, it like to me would sound like a great jazz album. You know, that's why when I first heard it, I was like, this sounds like something that my dad would like. And lo and behold, my dad likes this album. He loves Maxwell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's a, a rare artist that you can get pe- everyone from young people to older, older folks. Our parents like liking his music as well as our generation, you know, and there's not many artists out there that you can do that. 
nowadays of mm-hmm. this generation. I mean, mm-hmm. we all love Stevie Wonder. People love Marvin Gaye. We love a lot of the old music. Tonight, they got the verses. Earth, Wind, and Fire, and the Osley Brothers, that's another group, two groups that people yeah. from many generations like. But from our generation, there aren't many artists out there that can span from our parents down to us that we lo- that everyone likes. When I sit there and I, and I, listen, I was listening to it, and um, I'm thinking about, I started running through all the different hits that he has. And I'm like, okay, well, he started with this. And then, like you said, you go to Embrya, and you run into songs that he has, like Coco Cure and, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Matrimony and, and, uh, and Fortunate, which everybody don't know. Like, Fortunate, written by who else? R. Kelly. <laughs> written and produced by R. Kelly. Um, that's actually his most successful single. Fortunate is, yeah. (laughs) Great one, yeah. Exactly, yeah. I mean, that's that's. I mean, the man, you know, his uh, criminal exploits aside, we do know he has a talent for writing and producing music for people. You know, life. Man, we got we got it. Look, that's for another thing. Yeah, we we got to take him. If they letting a lot a lot of this other bullshit slide that's going on in music, motherfuckers doing why we. And still listening to their music. Mm-hmm. Why well, we can't listen to R. Kelly? Mm. R. Kelly came up in the car a couple of weeks ago. Me and my girl was driving. I said, damn, babe, I don't want to turn. <laughs> <laughs> I said, babe, I don't want to turn this on like this song. Yeah. I mean, I don't. And I think it was from the Black Panties album that he had or whatever that was all R&B for real. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, babe, I don't want to turn this to. And she looked at me and we both like. Yeah, listen to the song. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah now nah, I hear you. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, I hear you. Now nah, it's um, but songs like "Get to Know You" and "Lifetime." Mm-hmm. I mean, like just all jams, man. And it's like you never mm-hmm. didn't really see a big departure from Maxwell from Urban Hang Suite onto the rest of them. It all really had the same feel. I mean, he evolved slightly, but the recipe was the same. It's like you know, your grandmother makes a cake. And that cake is a slamming cake. You eat that cake, it's, the, it's, it's like clockwork. She has the same ingredients. She may add something every once in a while, and but it's not going to change the type of cake that it is. It's yeah. the same type of shit with Maxwell's same music. Cake. Yeah, same quality same cake. Same quality music. Yeah, exactly. Same quality music. So just awesome. And the thing is, like, you know, you always has great musicians working with him. And, and he writes his music and is involved in his music. And that's why I think it works so well, but for him to sort of do this when he was so young, I mean, I think he was only like 20, I want to say like 22 or 23 years old when this came out. That's young to be making music like this. You know, mm-hmm. like even now we think about like us at 23 years old to be able to make an album that sounds this mature. Like that's amazing. <laughs> uh, reading a article in the Rolling Stone, it says how Maxwell was a reluctant superstar. Like, the headline says on this Rolling Stone article, it actually came out, it's a great article written by Elias Light. It says, Maxwell wasn't sure he wanted to be a star. Urban Hang Suite left him no choice. And it goes through a long, long history of him being discovered and being signed with Columbia and the music and everything else. Uh, but it's amazing that, you know, to be like in your early 20s to mid 20s to make an album that sounds so mature. You know, that 25 years later, something that we appreciated, that we appreciate a lot more. And now Maxwell is into his 50s, almost 40 or 50, uh, 40s and 50s. It's like, man, awesome. So now we get to the verdict, Damo, the ultimate test, the test of time to see what it is. We mentioned it earlier, but is it a certified classic, borderline classic, just a classic in his time or not a classic at all? 
And you said they think it's a classic. So, mm, and also yeah, your yeah, and also your rating from seven to ten, seven that you don't feel as strongly about it, and ten that you feel strongly about it. It's a certified classic. I'm gonna give it a ten for ten. Yeah, yeah, 10 for ten. Like, like you know, I don't think you said nothing or I've said anything that make me think that you won't give it ten for ten. But yeah. I think everything, different sound, mm-hmm. different time to come in with that sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole album was a vibe, the energy and mood set up. Come on, yeah. You played it today, you still got the same, the same effect from then to now, and just yeah. now you're mature enough to appreciate it. Exactly. It's a certified classic for me. It's a ten out of ten. It's one of those things that you talk about collectors' items. If you can have this on vinyl, like yo, you get something like this on vinyl and you play it. Like this is something you can keep. And one of those albums we talk about playing for your kids when they get older, like, yo, just like our parents used to give us classic music from their time and we, we go to appreciate it. Like, this is one of them things you get on vinyl and you keep and play it and you keep it in good condition because it's, it's like a collector's item. This is a rarity in an age where R&B was going into a direction that he wasn't willing to go. And it didn't take away from his artistry at all. He did it in a unique way. And like you said, it sets all kind of moods. It makes you feel a certain type of way. And artistry on it is just awesome. So, yeah, certified classic, 10 out of 10. You know what it is, man. Maxwell's Urban Hang Suite, 25 years old this past week. Guys, make sure you go check it out if you haven't checked it out. And then while you're at it, go check out the rest of Maxwell's albums. Like Damo said, you get into the next two albums. Some people don't think those are as strong. Depending on how your sound is and how your ear is, you may think it may be on par with this or even better, but it's all quality music. I mean, you could make an argument that Maxwell has at least three classic albums, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can yeah. make the argument that he has at least three yeah. classic albums, you know, and no I don't skips. know. Yeah. No skips at all whatsoever. So, no yeah, so go check it out. Listen to it wherever you can listen to it, man, and uh, make the judgment for yourself and let us know what you think. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of the vault. Please make sure you are checking us out on our new host on red circle. You can also download, stream, and subscribe to the Vault Classic Music Reviews by going to any one of our Linktree links. If you go to any one of our social media sites in the bio, you'll see our Linktree have all of our social media pages and also all of our streaming sources. You can get to us on Instagram on at Vault CMR Podcast, on Twitter at Vault Classic, on Facebook and YouTube. You can search the Vault Classic Music Reviews Podcast. Like the Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, interact with us on social media. We love to hear from the fans. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, We say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV Creative and Instagram at IVECRE8.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.